If you could get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day for one year, you'll decline nearly down to zero. What starts as a small win or minor setback accumulates into something much more. So that's from the influential book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. This is a book that I first read about four years ago, and it was a time in my life when I was dealing with the chronic condition. It, it wasn't really a great time for me. I had bad eating habits, didn't really exercise or take care of my health, and it contributed to multiple big life changes in my own life based on many of the effective tools that Clear discusses in his book. So he lays out the simple principle of the aggregation of marginal gains, where basically you want to be making hundreds of tiny improvements every day or in simultaneous days that lead to this massive compounding force. So we're always thinking about, oh, I want to take this big step, get the big job promotion. Or if you think about lifting, you think suddenly you may gain a lot of weight because you've been lifting aggressively, but no, it's really this compounding of marginal gains and progressively improving on your habits leads to that massive improvement over a year or more. And James Clear has this great image that he portrays that where a 1% improvement every day for 365 days results in this 37 times improvement. It's exponential basically, but a 1% decline is exponential in the other way. It kind of leads you all the way down close to zero, where these small habits really continue to compound. So I'll briefly touch on a few of the different points that we'll be going through in this episode, but basically the highlights of James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, is that Habits are this compound interest of self-improvement where the marginal gains compound into big results over long time periods. We should focus first on identity-based habits where we want to reinforce our identities like being a runner or being someone who eats healthy or being someone who works hard in whatever endeavors they pursue. And those identity-based habits, we want to internally stay consistent to. And then James Clear goes through multiple effective tools to set great habits or change bad habits. And some of those that we'll discuss include implementation intentions, environmental design, reducing frictions, habit stacking, temptation bundling, accountability partners, selecting the right community and public commitments. To start off the episode, we'll go with James Clear's definition of habits. Habits are the compound interests of self-improvement. The same way that money multiplied through compound interest, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. They seem to make little difference on any given day, and yet the impact they deliver over the months and years can be enormous. And another quote by him that I think also reflects this compound interest concept is this one. Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. 
Your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your learning habits. You get what you repeat. So these two quotes pretty much establish the foundation of how James Clear defines habits and I think how we should all think about our own habits in the sense of compound interest, marginal gains. How can we get a little bit better every day and recognizing that the way compound interest works is the small improvements may look meaningless today and we may not see the impact that the workout or the healthy meal has on our body today, but they certainly show up later in life. It's, it's this lagging measure where if you continue taking a bad action, it will certainly show up. Or if you set the right positive changes in your life, people will certainly see a difference in your physical health or your mental health or whatever project. It could be a business endeavor that you're devoting as this habit may be. This is also emphasized in what James Clear calls the plateau of laden potential, which is basically how the compound interests of your marginal habits, you need to give your good habits enough time to actually break through this plateau where it takes time for a positive habit like working out or eating healthy has to actually show up in your life. It may take five, six months. And it's really the same thing with a bad habit. You may see that you're doing the same bad habit like we spoke about in the Dopamine Nation episode. You may be vaping or doing the drug and it may not seem like you're addicted and it may not seem like it's having this big impact on your life. But then after six, seven months, you may notice that you can't go a day without it. So I think a big framework that we want to keep in mind that forms the foundation of what Clear talks about is how these are compounding effects. It is marginal gains. Compounding in nature is usually exponential. It's not linear, which means over the course of a day or even a month, we may see little change similar to how compounding financial results over the course of a day or a month, you may see little change in your financial accounts. But over the course of a year or multiple years, you start to see an exponential improvement where suddenly many months of that positive habit or many months of your investment performing in a financial compounding sense show up what seems like overnight. And I think that also contributes to when we see in sports that a young player becomes an overnight sensation, like when Lionel Messi broke out at 17 and everyone called him an overnight success. Well, that's the years and years amongst years of compounding habits coming out in that one night. That's the exponential effects revealing itself. This aspect is reflected. I heard it reflected really well in a founder's podcast by Kobe, where he was talking about a quote Muhammad Ali said. He basically said, you have to work hard in the dark to shine in the light. And it's the sense of how people will praise our performances when we really break out and that exponential effects becomes clear, but they don't really think about the countless hours you spend grinding alone. Maybe those countless hours are 
grinding on investment memos. Maybe they're grinding on your body or eating healthy and cooking. But this is how we want to phrase habits as the everyday compounding of marginal gains, where most people won't look at that as, wow, this person is really committed. They will look at your big gain, maybe after seeing you six months later, oh, wow, you've lost a lot of weight or you look really healthy or you've completed this amazing business project. I'm super impressed by it. But they don't think about these countless hours you put in. I think that's where we need to remind ourselves it's these little actions that we take on a day-to-day basis that Clear and Muhammad Ali and many other people talk about as the key to their success. So we've established how this fundamental aspect of habits is that it's continuous improvement on a day-to-day basis. It's it's marginal gains. Now I want to get to another one of the core foundational points, identity-based habits, where your first step before trying to change your goals or telling yourself, I want to work out every day, I want to devote 45 minutes on this new side business every day, is actually setting identities for yourself. So your internal soundtrack is positive and reinforcing. So Lear quote, the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. It's one thing to say, I'm the type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say, I'm the type of person who is this. And the examples Clear gives is such as the goal is not to read a book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon. The goal is to become a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. So this is where, as people, we don't like being inconsistent with ourselves. It's something where if you say to publicly that you support a certain cause or you believe a certain business is the best business in a field, you'll want to stick to that out of fear of what other people will see. If you change your opinion too much, people may see you as flaky or inconsistent. It's what's been dumped the inconsistency principle. And the effect of these identity-based habits are both in your own internal soundtrack to reinforce this new identity. You're stacking up small wins. Let's say every time you take that marginal action, like going to the gym, you're stacking up that small win to reinforce your identity of, I'm someone who exercises. I'm someone who's a runner. And that helps you Yeah, both closer to your goal of establishing the habit as commonplace, but it also redirects your internal dialogue that before that point, it may say, I have a goal to go work out, but every time before you're about to work out, you may tell yourself, oh, I'm not healthy or I've never been someone who works out aggressively before, so I shouldn't really pursue this. And this sense of identity-based habits may seem like some type of Jedi mind trick. You may be asking, does this really work? Is it really impactful? And the honest answer in in my own experience is it really does have a big impact because that internal soundtrack, that spiral of thoughts that we have regularly throughout the day, 
that's what causes us to go take certain actions. And if you're internally reinforcing positive identities, like being someone who exercises or being someone who eats healthy or being someone who is successfully pursuing business endeavors or study endeavors like medical school, then you're more likely to carry out some of these tough new habits that you're not really used to. And this relates to a book I read called Soundtracks by John Acuff. It's another excellent book that I'll definitely have to cover on the podcast one day. But that book talks about these internal thought spirals that we have as a soundtrack. And the metaphor or analogy it's making is that the soundtracks we listen to every day on a day-to-day basis become more ingrained in our own psyche and harder to take actions that differ from those soundtracks. So if we're always playing these negative soundtracks of you're not good enough or you're dumb, you're not able to complete this habit, it's much harder for you to actually do that hard action, like go do a grueling one-hour workout, rather than if you're reinforcing yourself with positive soundtracks and kind of this positive self-talk, like you're smart, you're capable, you're a runner, you are someone who exercises regularly. So this soundtrack-based approach, I think, ties in really nicely with identity-based habits and both in the sense of the inconsistency principle, we don't like being inconsistent with ourselves, while also adopting more of a positive soundtrack where we're not really beating ourselves down, but we're reframing our internal dialogue in reinforcing the positive habits like being someone who works out or eats healthy or studies hard for their exams. Now we've gotten the two foundational pieces of atomic habits clearly defined, and now I'll go through kind of the quick explanation of the habit cycle, and this is something that will be similar to the dopamine nation cycle that we discussed last time because dopamine plays a big role in this habit cycle. But basically, habits go through what you could say four steps, or some people say three steps. It's from the original cue to the craving, to your response to that craving, to the reward. This is similar to the dopamine system, and I'll just explain it with dopamine, where dopamine spikes, once you see a certain cue, dopamine spikes slightly in anticipation of that reward. So you see your cue, your cue is predicting the future reward and your dopamine is spiking. And then as we discussed last episode, there's the pleasure pain seesaw. So your dopamine drops below your baseline amount, which is where the craving comes in. That's what's supposed to motivate you to go pursue the reward. And once it's below baseline, you have this motivation. This is where the response comes in, where you may actually take that action, pursue that habit based on both your own motivation, environmental friction that you may be experiencing. And like we spoke about with environmental design, the easier it is for you to do your positive habits, then the more likely you're going to do them. And then at the end, 
you actually get the reward. And that's when the real dopamine spike occurs, where dopamine shoots up, you get the reward, and that afterwards, it goes back down following Newton's third law. So we want to design our own habit cycle, knowing it's this cue, craving, response, reward, where your cue for a good habit is obvious, your craving is attractive, your response is easy with low environmental friction, and your reward is satisfying. So these are the four steps clear lays out in habit formation. And now we'll start going through some of the tools that he suggests we use in actually carrying out some of these new habits. Let's start off with the implementation intention, which is basically where we state when and where we're going to specifically carry out a certain habit. So if you want to develop a new habit, let's say working out or eating healthy, you want to lay out on a very specific plan so hopefully you could stay consistent to this plan, both when and where you're going to do this habit. Because if you have more of a general approach, I want to work out, it's much harder to get yourself to take that action down the line versus if you set this implementation intention, such as I will work out every day at 5.30 p.m. after I finish most of my work tasks in my local gym, five minutes away, or in my home gym, or even in the workout class that I've pre-committed to. I, I can't cancel it an hour or two hours before. Alternatively, if we're talking about cooking food, you could say, I will cook food every night at 7 p.m. with Trader Joe's easy ingredients, frozen ingredients at my home kitchen. This is where I urge you all pick one habit that you have in mind right now you want to set and start off with this basic implementation intention. It's a one-line intention where you state both when and where you're going to carry out your habit. The next tool that I want to discuss is habit stacking. And this is somewhat similar to something I mentioned last episode, linchpin habits, where we think of one core habit that either we know we perform every day or we think it's a habit that helps us in performing other habits and then you stack additional habits right after that linchpin habit for example in my own habit stacking routine i typically wake up go on a morning walk with my doc leo and after that i'll eat a healthy breakfast it's something that now I'm just naturally in the habit of doing. After that, I may exercise. This isn't every day, sometimes after work, but oftentimes I'll exercise in the morning and keep up this positive habit stack. And then after that, you have the habit of hygiene, like shower, brushing teeth. And after that, you launch into the work thing. And now you have this momentum of multiple positive habits that you've set where I mentioned last episode, I think exercise is one of the best linchpin habits because it helps you in so many other ways with your physical and mental health, but everyone may have different linchpin habits. If you're someone who loves to read and you feel like every morning reading for 45 minutes would set you up well 
for the rest of your day, then maybe you start off with that. If you feel like starting with your hardest task, like it may be a work-based task, then maybe that's your lunchman habit. Or if you're trying to write a book or write something more often, maybe writing is your initial habit. And then you stack all other habits on top of that. So I think this is an effective tool that you could use where you have one habit that's working for you right now. It's a habit that you already engage in. And then you say, what's another one or two habits that I could add on right on top of this? And it could just be part of this natural routine I go through. The next tool is environmental design. And I think this is a far encompassing tool because it's really a way to think about structuring not only our habits, but really everything that's surrounding our everyday environment. This is where I truly believe many good habits don't come from just better willpower for more motivation. I think a lot of it is just that first response laziness. And we want to set up our environment to help our positive habits in this lazy mindset. So we want to lower the friction for our positive habits and we want to set up our environmental design to have low friction towards anything that is positive for us, such as working out. Maybe if you know that you're less likely to go to a gym, you buy a Peloton or one of these at-home workout devices, maybe it's even just free weights, and you have it right in your home. So every day you do 30 to 45 minutes of working out in your own home instead of even needing to leave your home. If it's eating healthy, like we discussed in Dopamine Nation, it may be setting the healthy items at the front of your fridge as the first visual thing you see and the unhealthy junk food Either you may not even buy it, so it's not even in your environment, or you may put it in more hard-to-reach places like the top shelf. A couple other ideas of positive environment, maybe if you want to read more, setting your favorite book or whatever new book you're trying to read on your pillow. If you're trying to consume more business information, it could be setting your homepage as Wall Street Journal or whatever publication you prefer. Or it could be something like investing where you set up automatic investing plans where every month it just automatically sends money from your bank account into index funds like the S&P 500 index fund. So you're not even tempted to spend that money on any type of lavish purchase. You automatically are investing that money. So this sense of environmental design is meant both to facilitate your positive habits with less friction, and in the opposite sense, you could increase the friction, like we spoke about with junk food, putting it in the hard-to-reach places, but you want to increase that friction for habits that you're not trying to carry out. So whatever your bad habits are, maybe drugs or alcohol or junk food, you increase the friction and you make it harder for you to obtain that on a regular basis or obtain it yourself. So you may not keep alcohol in your own apartment if you know you have this problem with drinking too often or same thing applies with drugs, same thing applies with junk food where you have to go out of your way to get that good. 
So we should think of environmental design in this sense of frictions. And this bar of friction, we want to lower the friction for any positive habit, like exercising or eating healthy or writing, reading, pursuing your business endeavors. And on the opposite scale, you want to increase the friction for any type of activity that you want to see less of. This idea around environmental design and leveraging frictions to enforce or negate the good and bad habits in your life follows what Clear talks about as the principle of least action or law of least effort. It's basically how, as I mentioned earlier, we want to choose the path that's the easiest with the least friction. We're kind of these lazy beings. It's hard to say, but I, I think it's true personally. And we want to choose the task with the least friction. It's so crucial that we design our environment to satisfy those positive habits with this low friction bar. And in the opposite sense, increase the friction with our negative habits. We can even think about this friction lever in the sense of business, of business creation, where Many of the best businesses or biggest businesses that have come out of the past decade have simply come from reducing some of our life frictions. Like we think about the ride-sharing industry or food delivery or e-commerce. These all kind of support the convenience narrative and reducing our own frictions. And obviously companies like Uber or DoorDash or Amazon have come out of it where a lot of their mission around this customer orientation was reducing friction, making it more convenient and easier for customers to simply order a taxi car or get food delivered to their home instead of needing to drive 15, 20 minutes away. So I think this is a powerful, powerful tool that we think about in our personal lives as well as we're structuring our own habits. And we want to increase the friction for our bad habits. I'll now cover some of the potentially simpler tools that I think everyone should try, and some of them may be common wisdom, but they're still very powerful tools. So the first is temptation bundling, which listeners of the Dopamine Nation episode know that I mentioned this approach by Dr. Katie Milkman. And that is where you have a certain temptation that you like to do, and you link that to a habit that is harder for you to do. So in the sense of working out, I know this has been done to link working out with watching Netflix. You only let yourself watch Netflix when you go to the gym or when you're cycling, whatever that exercise may be. Similarly, you may only let yourself drink your protein shake when you actually go to the gym. So this is a basic form of temptation bundling. Anyone who has both a habit they want to establish and a temptation they like to engage in, can think about ways to pair those two into a singular temptation bundle. The next one is a quote from James Clear. Surround yourself with people who have the habits you want to have yourself. You'll rise together. This is basically how you want to find communities with habits that you're trying to establish yourself. So you may want to find communities that prioritize working out or eating healthy. You may want to find communities that 
prioritize investing research if you're into investing or communities that prioritize learning about medical work if you're trying to become a doctor. And this reflects the common wisdom of you're the average of the five closest people to you, where we often tend to copy those around us. And especially with habits, these habits that are subtle or even unconscious in many ways, we oftentimes will copy just what we see around us. So the more we could surround ourselves with the right communities, and that may be in the religious sense, that may be in the fitness sense or in the business sense, then the more likely it is we're going to also take more initiative to carry out habits, even if they may be hard for us to do or require us to go out of our way to work out or put ourselves through a little bit of pain to get that end reward. Another tool we discussed in the Dopamine Nation episode is about public commitments, where these can increase the odds that we stick to a tough habit and follow through because of that inconsistency principle. And especially when you make a commitment public, like I'm going to lose 10 pounds by the end of the year, or whatever your public commitment may be, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to write 100 pages of a new novel. You make that commitment publicly and you don't want to seem flaky to other people. You don't want to seem inconsistent to other people. So it's more likely that you're going to stick to that commitment. And even in the moments where you're saying, wow, this is hard. I don't know if I should have done this. Oftentimes people will continue through that period of potential regret because they don't want to look non-committal to people surrounding them. The next tool is a simple one, but it's definitely helped me multiple times. And it's called the two-minute rule. So it's meant to master the art of showing up. It's basically where there may be a habit that you want to engage in, but that day you maybe feel like lazy or whatever is stopping you from doing it. And you just tell yourself, you have to do two minutes worth of that habit. So if you want to read, you only have to read one page. Or if you want to work out, you only have to do one set of push-ups. Or if you want to write, you only have to write one or two paragraphs. But the point of it is that oftentimes we really just have a fear of starting. We have this fear of failure and we have a fear of starting. And it's going to stop us from even just starting in the first place. So we want to master this art of showing up. This two-minute rule is meant to help us show up every day. Again, it's the marginal gains. The whole point of Clear's foundational habit definition is compounding improvement, your marginal gains. To get those marginal gains, you need to show up every day. And part of that is, yes, reminding yourself that you're not going to have some big improvement or big change on any given day. But it's also saying today, even on your worst days where you don't want to do the exercise or you don't want to read or you don't want to spend time on your side hustle, that's when you have to show up. And if you just do two minutes worth, oftentimes after that, you will not have that fear of starting anymore. And you'll have the motivation to continue because once your brain has started thinking about what do I want to write about now I'm in the flow of things, or I don't know if I'm going to have a good list today. Well, you just start working out and you're now motivated to get in a good workout. So I think this is 
a tool that it does seem simple. Again, a lot of these tools seem very simple. This two-minute rule seems like a very simple rule, but it's really important and it underscores this fact that we need to choose action over perfection. You need to show up to get that benefit of continuous marginal gains. The last two tools that I want to discuss relate more towards accountability. So the first is called an accountability partner. This is where you have another person that also wants to establish this positive habit you guys both have in mind. Maybe you both want to get into boxing together. And you tell yourselves that both you'll do it with each other. And also, if either of you miss it, then you owe the other person something. Maybe you owe the other person a meal or something as this sort of punishment. And also you get to benefit from doing it with a friend or a peer. So that's one sense of holding yourself accountable externally through someone else. And then internally, people have had a lot of success using visual habit trackers. So two methods of visual habit trackers are salespeople, some of the most successful salespeople use this tool of two buckets of pins and every call they make, they move one pin from their full bucket to their empty bucket. And throughout the day, there's a hundred pins on the full bucket and that has to go towards the empty bucket, meaning they have completed a hundred sales calls in a day. These could be sales calls that typically are scary and you're afraid of failure. And the point is seeing that visual progress bar helps motivate you to get closer to your goal. And you're feeling accomplished every time you're a little bit closer to your goal. The same thing works with having a calendar where you design one habit for your calendar. Every day that you do it, you mark an X on that day. And in this sense, you don't want to break the chain of X's. So Let's say you work out or you want to establish reading every day or cooking two meals a day, and you buy a calendar where every day by the end of the day, if you cook two meals, you put an X. And every day, as the chain gets longer, there is more of a desire to keep the chain going. You don't want to break the chain. So these are two tools that using this habit tracking method, visual progress bars, like moving pins after a sales call or marking off a calendar, which is something that Jerry Seinfeld actually used to write jokes on a daily basis, it helps you keep up the progress. It helps you keep up those daily marginal gains instead of saying, oh, today I'm not feeling like it and just letting go, right? This is what keeps that progress going on an everyday basis, even when you're not in the mood. So now that we've covered some of the most effective tools that James Clear discusses in Atomic Habits, I want to just mention a few of the one-time actions that could lead to long-term better habits that Clear mentions in his book, and I agree with them as pretty impactful, even though it's in some ways just a one-time decision. So with nutrition, buying a water filter, at least you're just simply drinking cleaner water, Using smaller plates, buying smaller plates for your house usually leads to you eating less because we look at things from a relative lens. And if you have a big plate, then your plate will always look like it's not full and you're going to stuff on more portions. With 
happiness, getting a dog, that's something that does lead to a lot more happiness. And you have to put in some work, but at the same time, you have this companion. Setting up automatic bill pay or automatic credit card pay, enrolling at automatic savings plans, like we mentioned earlier, just automatically funnels money into either an investment account or a savings plan, and deleting certain types of addicting social media or gaming apps off your phone. So these are all one-time actions that you could take that oftentimes will lead to this recurring dividend, such as the automatic savings plan or automatic investing plan or bill payment with your credit cards or buying smaller plates, buying a water filter. These are just simple things that will give you benefits for maybe a year or years into the future. So these are things I recommend that I think anyone could really set in place pretty easily. I want to close off this episode with the idea that neurons that fire together, wire together. So that's basically that we want to repeat and reinforce the activities or habits that are important to us or their positive habits. And we should focus on really getting our reps in. So habits form through this pure frequency of reps and doing things many times. I think there's this misconception that it's a 21-day cycle to ingrate a new habit, and that's actually not true. But we do have to set about a certain amount of reps to get the habit in place. So I think that's a phrase that we should really remember to ourselves. Neurons that fire together, wire together, and it applies to, obviously, learning in life, both the things that you spend more time on in your career in the workplace, you will strengthen those connections. And at the same time, with habits, the more you get in reps of your positive habits and the more you reinforce those positive habits, the more likely you are to do them the next time. Now, this is a quote that I want to close off from James Clear. The first mistake is never the one that ruins you. It is the spiral of repeated mistakes that follows. Missing once is an accident. Missing twice is the start of a new habit. So this reflects this idea that we shouldn't think of habits in the sense of all or nothing. We should look at habits from this marginal gain, compound interest perspective. And even on days that we may not be in the mood to perform these positive habits, like the exercise or cooking the healthy meal, we should remind ourselves that even doing a little bit is better than doing nothing at all. Again, choose action over perfection. That wraps up the incredible book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. We covered a lot of different both tools and foundational concepts on this episode, like the marginal gains, compound interest framework, identity-based habits, environmental design, frictions, surrounding yourself with the right community. So I really hope that this is beneficial to both readers of the book and people looking for an initial primer who are considering now reading the book. I encourage anyone who's interested to pick just one habit that you've been wanting to start and try some of these concepts in implementing this new habit. James Clear actually has this really great program in addition to reading his book, Atomic Habits, 
It's called 30 Days to Better Habits. And it basically sends you 11 emails, short emails, really took three to five minutes to read each one over the course of 30 days that goes over some of these tools and helps you in implementing those tools with one habit in mind. So I'll put the link to both his book, Atomic Habits, and the 30-day challenge in the show notes. But I hope you guys learned a lot and I'm excited for the next one as well.